All right, welcome everyone back to the Monday edition of the Silver Screen and Roll Show. I am your host, Harrison Fagan. We are continuing, as we have all June, to be rotating hosts and each day of the week. And so today, again, I am joined by Sabrina Merchant. How's it going, Sabrina? Pretty good, Harrison. Uh, weird time in Lakerland right now. Yeah, well, it seems like things, and by the way, you can, Sabrina normally hosts our Monday episodes with Sasha Shaw, the I Love Basketball show. I normally host Tuesdays, the Lake show. So if you're familiar with either of our shows and for some reason have been subscribed to the podcast and are not listening to the rest of the week, this is where we come from. Those are, those are where we normally host. But like I said, we're going to continue doing this rotating thing throughout June and probably, or yeah, throughout June for most of it until we probably get closer to the draft because like you said, in theory, like this should be the time when the Lakers are starting to quiet down. They've ended their five and a half week coaching search and introduced the new guy. You would think that Magic Johnson would not go on first take again, he said, tempting fate. And uh, although he is going to go on TV apparently before the final. So that's right with Stephen A. Smith again. Really looking forward to it. Uh, And by that, I mean the exact opposite of looking forward to it. Um, but so things have finally quieted down a little bit. There was some news last week. Obviously there was the first take fallout, everybody responding to it, all that stuff, but it's finally started to slow down at least a little bit. Okay. I've said that like three times now. So now there something's definitely going to break during the podcast, (laughs) but because of that, we decided to make today a mailbag show. So we are taking your questions. I used it as an opportunity to get our Instagram followership up. So for all of you who subscribe to our Instagram and then ask questions, I really appreciate that. But, um, I guess let's just get right to it. Uh, the first question that we had was from at Saga of Nas, and it says, what star free agent or free agents do you believe are the most likely to come to the Lakers after the latest round of rumors that we had last week? So, Sabrina, just for anyone that may have missed the rumors last week, what were they and what do you think of this question? So after, like you said, the first take fallout, uh, there was a bit of a suggestion that maybe LeBron James was worried about the front office's ability to recruit free agents, given the internal turmoil that they're going through. So he's taken the lead and it looks like he's reached out to Kyrie Irving. They're in communication and he's also been in touch with Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. So three of the, I'd say the top five free agents on the board, LeBron has already been talking to and he's, he's doing the work, putting in the work. Yeah. And, you know, like I I think I I talked about this pretty extensively last week about how LeBron as the recruiter is just it's different than anything that the else that the Lakers can offer. Like it's the type of thing that might be able to cut through all the noise where you have, you know, maybe the greatest player ever sitting down across from you saying, hey, like you're my final piece. And how much does that actually mean to Kyrie, who's like kind of a little counterculture and has already teamed up with LeBron. And so there's less like mysticalness to it. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, the other guys you would think, I mean, Kawhi is as hard to read as anyone, but you would think that for most of these guys, that would mean something and, or it would at least have a chance to mean something for one of these guys. So where I, I guess, so you have those three and then you also have like Kemba Walker, you have Kevin Durant, Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson. I don't think I'm missing any of the major names, right? At that point. No, you're good. Yeah, so like out of all those guys, who would you think is the most likely to come? Where would you put it? So I don't think Kevin Durant is coming to the Lakers. Either I think I. after uh, being second fiddle to Steph Curry, that's just not the situation he wants to step into. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is is so hard to gauge. Uh, now that Toronto has made the finals, I think it's 
I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if it's more likely or less likely that he comes to LA. Who knows what's going on in that guy's head? He's impossible to read. Like, more so than uh, most guys, it's like, it's kind of hard to read. Ultimately, we're all just guessing at a lot of these guys, but some mm-hmm. are more transparent than others. And he's kind of impossible. Right. But when you talk about, like, LeBron James sitting across from you at the table saying, you're the guy I need to make this happen in Los Angeles, Jimmy Butler is the one that I imagine on the other side of that table who really heeds that pitch. So I think I've, I've felt this way for most of the season that Butler was the most likely to end up as the Lakers second max guy. And that hasn't really changed. I, I still think he's the most probable of all those outcomes. Yeah. That's what I said on the pod of, on Friday. Although I actually for, have it for a different reason than you. I think Jimmy Butler, it's going to be less about the like LeBron is sitting here t- telling me that he needs me thing mm-hmm. and more about the, Oh, you're offering a max contract, the full max, like all four years. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely into this. <laughs> yeah, the the money is not bad. It's not a bad incentive. Yeah, I mean, I, and like he seems to be the leaks coming out of a lot of these guys are like, oh, they want to go to New York because of X or they want to go to the Clippers because of Z. And like, whereas like the leaks out of Jimmy Butler's camp have pretty consistently been like, people taking the temperature around there have been like, he just wants the full max. And that's the biggest thing for him. And, you know, if there's been reporting contrary to that, then like I apologize for not seeing that. But I feel mm-hmm. like most of this year I've seen. If you're offering the max, Jimmy is willing to listen. And it, there seems to have also been whispers that Philly may not be willing to offer that full max, especially given like kind of the way that the season ended. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I was going to say that the Lakers aren't really in the habit of lowballing stars, but that is no longer true. So, well, they uh, lowball they lowball and trade offers for stars. Oh, I meant with Ty Lu. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess he's considered a star coach at this point, like out of what they were picking from. So, yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I I, am more hesitant to see them lowballing on the player side, especially when mm-hmm. they're so desperate to get someone, you would think, just to save face after everything that's happened. Because, like, it, all they've said throughout this whole process of people are like, oh, you have to address the narrative. You have to address, like, all this negativity and da da da. They've mm-hmm. said they want to let the results fe- speak for themselves. The best way to get better results next year is by signing the best players possible. And exactly. so you would think that their motivation would be pretty high, in addition to just not wanting to waste the final years of LeBron and having that stink on you for the next, like, several years of recruiting free agents even after he leaves. Right. And I think um, Jimmy Butler was somebody they expressed interest in back when he demanded a trade from Minnesota in the first place. I just uh, they probably weren't willing to part with as many young pieces as Minnesota wanted. But it's it's a name that's been floated around the Lakers before. And stylistically, I think he fits next to LeBron and that uh, defensively, there's just nobody better than him on the market right now, other than Kawhi, obviously. Yeah. No idea what's going on with Kawhi. No, he's he's the he's the huge wild card here. He's like the most tame wild card of all time, but he <laughs> is a wild card here. Uh just because he's impossible to read. He's a robot. Um out of the other guys, I personally would think that I, I would have if you would have asked me before the all NBA stuff came out last week, I would have said Kemba is probably second most likely. But because Charlotte can offer the Supermax now, he can say whatever he wants about the money not mattering. Like I, I feel like 60 to 80 million is it 60 million or 80 million difference. I think it, over five years, it's an 80 million difference. Yeah. So I feel like 80 million dollars talks whether that's or like not an like, additional contract over five years. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's crazy money. Like y- you can you can chop off four million here, four million there, whatever. 
whatever. Like mm-hmm. that, that's still more money than most people, than a lot of people will make in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But for Kemba, like, you know, like for an NBA player, that's like a, an amount that you can probably sacrifice. 80 million feels like a lot to walk away from if the Hornets offer it. I actually, at this point, feel like Kyrie is second most likely just given all of the smoke and mirror like all the stuff that we've heard from various different NBA insiders about LeBron's talking to him oh he's considering it oh he's asking around about the Lakers and all that stuff like it's not the most likely option to me as evidenced by me picking Jimmy but like where are you with the rest of this list right so if the rest of the list includes uh Kyrie uh Kemba and Clay and then Middleton I suppose is kind of lower end on that list yeah, and then I think we can both say that safely that KD is probably, like, both of our least likely. Is that fair? Right. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. So, yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement that Kyrie is the next most likely. Also because if if the Boston fans are going to hate him for leaving, then, like, what better way to really lean into that than by going to the Lakers? It would just be too perfect. No, honestly, if Kyrie like if Kyrie gets the Celtics to give up a bunch of pieces for him, goes there torpedoes the the trade value of their entire young core and then pieces to LA like the only thing other than that that he can do is like help recruit Anthony Davis which it seems like the two of them based on stuff we heard around the trade deadline might want to play together mm-hmm. like they just need to elect the stat uh, they just need to erect the statue now outside of Staples <laughs> just put it up like like who cares what LeBron or Anthony Davis or what like you put that Kyrie statue up on opening night if he does all of that stuff and then makes his way over here like that the Lakers have to <laughs> yeah it's it's just nice to have all these options, right? Well, kind of. I mean, I don't know. I could, I, yes, but I'm not sure how real a lot of them are. Like, it, there's, yes, there's a lot of names here, but I was talking about this with Jazz. Like, a lot of these guys may just resign or may, yeah. like, none of them are the favorite to go to the Lakers, other than maybe Jimmy, who seems to be fairly nebulous right now. But, n- like, none of them are listed kind of as favored to go to the Lakers, which does inherently put them at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But maybe when the musical chair, like, the music stops and everybody's trying to find a chair, they end up, one of them ends up in LA, or, yeah. or LeBron can make a really compelling pitch who knows if he's already reaching out like that's you know it's a good sign that he is not ready to give up on this yet and doesn't it isn't just like you know what I'm gonna play out the last couple of years of my career watch my son play and then retire I do think the Lakers will get a fair share of meetings like more than I would have expected at the start of the season but yeah like you said they're they're definitely not the favorites for any of them and I mean the good thing is they only need one, you know. So. Yeah, that's true. They only need one to say yes. So that that d- definitely does help you. Let, let's move along to because I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of free agency questions and mm-hmm. I don't want to accidentally answer too many of them because I feel like it kind of undermines the value of this. Um, so at like a longtime listener of the show, Afa Brain, Afa underscore Brain on Twitter um, asks if uh, do we think they bring JaVale back and who are both of our realistic free agency targets? So let, let's hit the first one first. JaVale is an interesting one because he definitely did not seem happy here after he stopped playing well initially, but then he started to regain it basically once the game stopped mattering. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of tough to gauge whether or not he'd be interested in coming back. I don't want to be the guy that psychoanalyzes too much of exit interviews. He right. didn't necessarily seem thrilled there, but like who would have been when they were facing down that press corps when like, like after everything that had happened with Magic and all that the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also doesn't love the media part of this that much anyway. So I I don't want to read too much into that. I don't know. Where are you at with JaVale? Like, would you want to bring him back for, and how much would you want to bring him back for if so? I would like to bring JaVale back. I think he probably would come back for 
a similar amount of money that he got this year, like around that veterans minimum. And with JaVale, I just think it's hard to gauge his like mood throughout the season just because of the whole pneumonia thing. Like that definitely yeah, it's fair. put a cloud on his whole season. Uh, but like he looked like he was having a ton of fun at the end of the year uh, when, you know, the Lakers brought in the South Bay team to fill in all the injured spots. So, I mean, I, I don't think that he should be like a starting center, but if he's like a starting center and name only, you know, that gets like 20 minutes per game, I'm totally fine with that. And I think I think he likes being in Los Angeles. I think he'd come around for that kind of role. Yeah, I I don't know. I just like part of me I, earlier in the season, I would have been more concerned about how much money they'd have to pay him mm-hmm. because I feel like uh, like earlier in the season, it seemed like he was going to earn himself a pretty hefty deal with how well he was playing. And then I feel like the pneumonia derailed that a little bit. And obviously you don't want to sit here and be like, oh, that was a good thing for the Lakers because that's no. kind of callous. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I just mean, like, it, it, if we're being real, it's probably lowered the amount that he can get. And it would make me it more palatable, I think, to mm-hmm. bring him back, even if you have to pay him more than the minimum. Ultimately, ultimately, a lot of it will probably come down to what free agents they get and like that kind of thing. If guys want to come back and uh, come back for less money again and try and chase a ring with LeBron and whoever else they have versus like if they're just bringing back LeBron and the kids, I'm not sure that a lot of the veterans are going to be in a rush to come back, not because they don't like like LeBron or the kids, but they just may want to put themselves in a different situation and see if that leaves them kind of more fortunate in terms of their next deals. Yeah, and I just don't think that center is the type of position where you need to invest that much money. I just think that there's a lot of marginally similar centers around the league that you can give the minimum to and get a similar level of production. Just like looking at the playoffs, uh, it doesn't seem like you have to put a lot into that position. Yeah, it, like you you look at the teams that went far and like I don't want to channel my inner Magic Johnson at Summer League <laughs> here and just be like, well, you look at the teams and there's all this one commonality and just ignore it. <laughs> but but a lot of the teams that did go far like were not paying like a highly paid center. And mm-hmm. so in fact, none of them were except for Portland originally, but he went down. So, you know, like how much that almost emphasizes that it's just not the most important position on the floor. And it's not one that you want to be investing the majority of your cap in. And it's mm-hmm. honestly why we should like Lakers fans should be kind of glad that there aren't any giant name free agent centers on the marketplace this summer, because it just means that the team isn't going to over, isn't going to overpay one of those guys and potentially, you know, kind of short circuit their ceiling. Right. That's why I like the scariest names to me are Vucevic and Boogie. Because oh those, yeah, I hadn't even thought that much about those guys because Boogie kind of fell off the map and Vucevic like also you know now that the Magic are out of the playoffs is not an mm-hmm. end but those, yeah those are absolutely guys that will get maybe not the max this summer but significant money. Yeah, so I mean I guess we could focus on the second part of that question, just like what free agent targets the Lakers should be looking at. Yeah. Um. Well, that's kind of like a I don't know. There's two ways of looking at that because we talked about the superstar free agents, right? And if the Lakers get a superstar free agent, then they're only going to be in the market for minimum type players, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in that case, we're looking at like the the Quinn Cooks of the world, you know, or like um, you're not really advancing the roster in a meaningful way, right? Yeah. No, it's funny. I was like looking through a list of all these like minimum level free agents and Luol Deng's name came up. And I don't actually know what the rules are if you're allowed to sign a guy to another contract if he's still stretched. Yeah, I am actually am not sure about that either, because I I thought the whole thing was that you had to go to another team and be gone. Don't you have to be gone for at least a year anyway? If you got traded, you can't resign for at least a year. Right. But they didn't trade him. They waived him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they didn't end up trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They waived him. He just went to the Timberwolves off of 
uh, no, it wasn't off waivers. He just signed. He cleared waivers. He just waivers. signed, yeah. 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 But yeah, that's that's beside the point, though. Cat yeah, so they could be paying not. two Luol Dangs on their cap sheets. That would be great. <laughs> no, I don't. I I do not think that they will do that, and I do not think that they should do that. Though I feel like that would be untenable. Yeah. So I mean, if if you get like you know a Butler or a Kawhi or something, then you're you're just filling in on the margins, which I I feel like the Lakers could do with just their draft pick, and or you know converting the two way guys, or just finding like the, the ring chaser types. You know, like yeah. uh, I mean. The, the list of names that the Lakers have given up on in the last few years just makes all of these names so untenable, like Ed Davis or Andrew Bogut or like Wayne That's Ellington. Like, with all these expiring deal guys is like you're cycling half the league through your roster and all of a sudden like you, you have bad blood with all these guys because you didn't try <laughs> to resign them. Not like bad blood. I mean, some of uh, Andrew Bogut, it seems like there's bad blood. Not that the Lakers yeah. should want him back anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, like Ed Davis would not seem like he would be tremendously likely to want to come back. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's that's one direction the Lakers could be looking in. And, like, at that point, I don't I don't know that there's anybody who's, like, you would have to have at that number, you know, like, for a minimum contract. I just think you sort of let the market fall out and see what you can get. Um, someone like, you know, Miritich on the Bucks, I feel like he's probably lost himself a lot of money with that last series he had. Uh, but I still think he'd probably be a little too expensive for the Lakers' taste. Yeah, yeah, I I just think, like, outside of names, in generalities, like, this is not going to blow anyone's minds, but they should mm-hmm. just be targeting shooting. Whatever they can, whatever shooting they can get, that has to be number one priority. Mm-hmm. Almost no matter wh- what position it comes from, just because, uh, like, especially with how versatile a lot of the guys that are going to still be around are, like, in terms mm-hmm. of being able to play multiple positions or at least guard multiple positions, y- you have to bring in someone from some area of the floor that can shoot. And that's honestly kind of what's the the biggest bummer about like them not being able to bring in a guy like uh, like Lopez back. And I, I don't want to be the I don't want to just keep belaboring that they let Lopez go or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's all done and it's in the past. But being able to target someone like that this summer at, to address both the center need and the shooting need would be kind of huge because like actually this kind of takes us into to the next question. This is from uh, Ak, at Eric or sorry, it's from Eric Kuhn and uh, at Eric Kuhn Art. And he's asking about uh, everyone is talking about adding another big free agent and more shooting this offseason, but nobody seems to be talking about the big gaping hole the Lakers have at center. The Lakers have Mo and nothing else. What do you expect will happen at the five? And please don't say Kuz or LeBron. Um, and so him and I were tweeting back and forth a little bit, and we decided that maybe a solution could be Kuz sitting on LeBron's shoulders. But <laughs> outside of that, in terms of serious options, like the the center class, this I mean, you could sign Boogie, but then that uses up a lot of your cap space. Same with mm-hmm. same with Vucevic. And, like, those would be, especially if Boogie is a little bit more recovered in year two since tearing his Achilles. And that's often what you see with injuries like that is right. guys don't really truly bounce back until their second year recovered. And so maybe a guy like that does solve some problems, but that really does kind of cap your ceiling a bit. And same with Vucevic. Like, that would be a fun guy to watch, and he would help the Lakers but that's not getting them to the level of like title contention that they want to get to. Right. And sorry, just lost my train of thought for a second, but I mean, I do expect the Lakers to give JaVale a significant look at coming back, especially because it wasn't part of the issue. Like he had with Luke Walton and that's no longer yeah, a problem. Yeah. He did not right? seem to be a fan of Luke's no. Yeah. But I mean, a name like Al Horford is something to keep in mind. Like if the Lakers strike out on the big class of free agents, if he chooses to exercise, you know, his 
or like not exercise as player option, then yeah. that's the guy they could consider because center shooting fills all those needs. Um, yeah, and he'd be like the best version of those last two guys is like a consolation prize that you could get because he's still like he's not anyone in the league. Like there's I don't think there's anyone on the planet whose favorite player is Al Horford, um, <laughs> but like he's good and he's genuinely helpful. And we saw how helpful he can be in the playoffs at times, like guarding Giannis and doing as cre- almost as credible, uh, credible of a job as we've seen anyone outside of Kawhi Leonard do. So like these are not that's not a name that's going to get anyone really, really psyched. But that would make for a much more fun Lakers team and a much better fitting like team than we saw this season right and normally like you worry about paying aging free agents at this point of their career but like we already have lebron james so that timeline is not a concern you know if you can get horford for the next three years to match up with lebron then that that's perfect that's exactly the purpose that he needs to serve you know yeah and i guess like uh lower level guys you know uh, michael green from the clippers kind of fits that big guy who can shoot mold uh anthony tolliver on wolves bombs a lot i mean he's kind of more of a minimum guy you could fill around other players uh, it's just that's a very hard role to fill you know the the big guy who can shoot which is what makes the lopez thing so damning but like even someone especially like one that's Green, not going to get run completely off the floor in the playoffs those are the rarest of all exactly yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. It's like you, you, that's great that like, I'm glad that you did research on some of these names, because I, like I was telling you before we went live, um, this is normally the time of year when I would do that research is mm-hmm. this month and the Lakers have not made that possible for me. Uh, <laughs> you also so, graduated. Yeah, that's true. The, well, the graduation didn't take up that much time. That was like one day I was <laughs> my classes were not that uh, time intensive this semester. Um, but you actually were just trying to make me look better. So my bad. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I've not been able to, for whatever reason, I've not been able to dive into all of these names as much as I would like to, but like, just, I think in general, they should be targeting shooting. They should be targeting defense, basically like all the thing, like anything, but playmaking, they have mm-hmm. enough playmakers on the roster, despite them trying to zig where everyone else zagged last year. They, they don't need to go bring back the meme team or bring back these guys. Like the argument for easing the, the burden on LeBron is fine, but you have guys that can do that. Kuz can absorb possessions. Lonzo can absorb possessions. Brandon Ingram can absorb possessions. Like they have guys that can take on ball handling duties and things like that. And it's not like all of the guys that you sign are going to be Kyle Korver. Some of them will also have auxiliary uh, playmaking skills, especially if you get a second superstar. And so to me, the biggest things are just shooting and and defense. And JaVale would at least provide the defense part of that if he can approximate anything close to what he was in either the first third or final third of the season. Exactly. So let's take a really quick break here, uh, pay some bills, and then we will come back and we will address a few more of these mailbag questions. Okay, so let's get to the next question on the list. And this is from at Enmo565, who asked a couple questions. But the first one is, uh, what role players do you believe we can acquire cheap this summer if we do indeed acquire a star free agent shooter specifically, but also centers and role players that will fit with us? I think you actually kind of went over a couple of these names. So let's actually go to his just second question, because we kind of already answered that one. Mm-hmm. So let's go. I, he, this is the second one. I'm under the assumption that Kyrie wants to be a Laker and that if Kawhi wants to be a Laker, we will sign and trade for him. How likely is that to happen in 
your opinion? And what will we have to trade to complete a sign and trade value and salary wise? So this is actually one that I've seen as like a common that I see as common sentiment every so often is like, well, why can't they execute this like insert X really complicated maneuver <laughs> to get two of these guys? And it's like, well, number one, it doesn't seem like any team is in a no team. Let's throw everything that we've heard about teams not wanting to work with Palinka out the window. Almost no team wants to facilitate creating that like a super team like that anyway. And then mm -hmm. when you factor in that there does seem to be some bad blood for the Lakers around the league, like we saw it in the Kawhi trade negotiations this summer, we saw it in the Pelicans trade negotiations, like we've seen it a few times and we've seen, we've gotten hints that they may not be the most well-liked organization around the league. No one is going to be in a rush to help you create this team. So that's number one. Now, as far as Toronto, like doing a sign and trade uh, with Kawhi, I think they did. They got rid of like max sign and trades, right? Like you can't. Can you still do that? It's very hard to execute a sign and trade when the team is above the cap, which Toronto would have to be if they re-sign Kawhi. Okay. At, as would Boston with Kyrie. So I, I just don't think either of those is logistically feasible. Yeah. So like this is the kind of thing that like sometimes I think there's. Uh, like either a misunderstanding of CBA rules or like these things update and they change and they're fluid, but like it, it's, it's going to be very hard for the Lakers to like, it would be very hard for the Lakers to execute a sign and trade or it would be very hard of them like period to get two free agents this summer. It's mm -hmm. easier to get a guy that is under contract like Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal exactly. or just like insert name here because those guys, those contracts are already signed. So you don't have those penalties working against you and you can just try and max salary and match salaries which the lakers i think they would be able to get close enough to with a lot of their young guys on the roster correct right plus that cap hold of that number four pick if you were making yes, that's it for true. the other team yeah yeah so like they have with their assets they can potentially get like a sign and trade or not a sign and trade they can get a trade going i just think that like a sign and trade would um would be difficult yeah, and I also, I mean, I think that first point that you made about how other teams wouldn't want to help the Lakers acquire another player is pretty salient. Like, if Boston is already going to lose Kyrie Irving, it doesn't make any sense for them to just sign him and, like, take on whatever the Lakers choose to send back. They probably just pivot to another direction. Yeah, like, if it was allowed or, like, if they were under the cap and it was more feasible, like, I mm -hmm. could see them doing it just to say, like, look, we got something in return. This is a guy we were going to lose anyway. Like, but it, it sounds like it would be difficult for them to make a sign-and-trade work, and they aren't going to go out of their way to do that just to send Kyrie to the destination of his choice. They'll say, no, no, you can walk somewhere else if you'd like, but we're not. Like, teams are generally not willing to facilitate these exits unless they are positive that they have lost this guy. Like, you, you see it, I, I think Cleveland and Toronto ended up doing it back in 2010, but that mm -hmm. was only because it was clear those guys could leave for the cap room anyway, and they were just trying to kind of do right by those teams and allow them to get uh, some extra assets in return. So, yeah. Right, and that was like two CBAs ago, so it was a little yeah, exactly. less challenging, yeah. Yeah, so like they've they've addressed that, and they don't want teams to be able to send their to be able to held uh, held hostage and send their stars elsewhere and whatever. So um, I I just think that that's unlike I don't think that they can really get Kyrie and Kawhi unless they trade LeBron, in which case you know like that's a whole <laughs> different beast, and I don't think that they're going to do it. Um, this is from uh, at Sad Boy Laker fan, which is that is like the spirit animal account of all <laughs> of uh, 
of I think all of our listeners right now that, that, or, or sad girl Laker fan you know like sad uh, just sad Laker fan in general is I feel like would be a very accurate at for a lot of people in my mentions and like sad Lakers reporter would be my at if I was being honest and didn't want to lose my verification so <laughs> Um, it, it is our next question, and he asks, if we miss out on all the easy max guys, Kemba, Kyrie, Butler, Leonard, what would your ideal offseason like? So this is kind of different than what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. in that, like, what would we want it to be if there are no max guys? Like, we talked about some of the potential routes they could go down. Sabrina, do you have an idea of, like, what you would prefer to see them do if they miss out on all of these guys? So because uh, Brandon Ingram is up for an extension this summer and his rookie contract expires in 2020, the Lakers won't have max cap space next season. So it doesn't make sense to do the whole one-year contract thing to save space again because there just won't be enough, you know, to make that plan work. So I think if they lose out on all the max guys, then you have to start going for multi-year deals for, like, veteran players. I mean, I'm not saying, like, you know, sign these guys to, like, four-year deals because that, that's awful lot. But, like, two, three, you know, just can't be doing the They the can cycle do what Tyron Lue wouldn't, and they can line it up with the end of LeBron's timeline. <laughs> right. Like, um, some guys like uh, Bogdanovich on the Pacers, I think, makes a lot of sense because tremendous shooter, you know, secondary playmaker around LeBron, decently physical wing, kind of checks all the boxes you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty perfect, like, outside of star names. That's everything that you want, basically. Yeah, um, maybe keep... Pat Beverly in L.A., you know, nice defensive presence, good shooter <laughs> he, he around. Control, he can start trolling the Clippers now. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I think, like, a guy who can defend one to three and who can shoot upwards of 40% on three-pointers, again, hits all the boxes. Yeah, uh, the mythical, the, yeah, the mythical, like, switchy defender that can shoot really well on threes. Like, the guy that everyone says their team needs, and there just aren't that many of the guys that truly tick all of those boxes. Right, and uh, people seem to genuinely like playing with him, too, you know, and I, I feel like LeBron would love playing with him. So, that's... Oh, that's yeah, another... well, everybody loves to play with a guy like that. It's against yeah. him that they don't like. Like, anyone who's ever played pickup has played with that, a, a version of Patrick Beverly. Right. And, like, you love to play with that guy because it means you don't have to defend as hard. Like, he, he'll handle all the fights and whatever and, like, all, all the braggadocio and you could just play. It's really nice. Um, yeah. I just think... Yeah, uh... I, I think... To just along that vein, like even outside of Ingram's extension situation, which is a, re- a really good point, by the way, um, in that like you really can't continue to do the kick the can down the road thing unless you're just planning on losing him for nothing, which would be, you know, that's a lot of draft capital that you just let walk in that case yeah. without getting anything in return for. T- taking that a step further, I think that you have to sign guys to long-term deals, not just like it would be nice. Like you have to do it because not just in the sense of, you know, like uh, in the sense of Ingram's extension situation, but at some point and Pete Laker film room likes to make this point a lot. At some point you have to build a team and you have to get guys that know that they're going to be there and aren't all mercenaries that are going out and trying to get their next contract. Mm -hmm. And I I think beyond that, you can sign like Lou Williams is the example that I'll use of this because the Lakers got him on a deal like this and he has continued to play. And now the Clippers have him on a deal like this where you can get a guy on a long-term deal that is eminently movable. 
you can move it. Like we saw Lou Williams sign a long-term deal with the Lakers. That was the one thing that they had like not wanted to do ever. They got him on a long-term deal. He got moved twice on that contract. And then now has, uh, he got signed an extension with the Clippers, correct? Yeah. Three years, yeah. 24 million. Another yeah, again, movable a, contract. That's a very movable deal. And so you need to sign guys like that. And it not only allows you to get better talent because you can pay them a little bit more and give them a little bit more long-term security. But it's also like, if you need to clear cap space next summer, you sign your version of Lou Williams or whoever that may be. And all of a sudden you get word that, you know, Anthony Davis, he still wants to come. You can move those deals and clear up that cap space still. And, you know, end up moving one of the young guys if you absolutely have to, and maybe get like a draft pick in return for that or whatever it may be, just if you need to like absolutely clear that room, but you can create that room. You don't have the, the only way to create cap room is not with expiring contracts. And by signing guys, the long-term deals, you get them to buy in a little bit. So I think that no matter what happens this summer, it's like I kind of said earlier in the show, you have to get some shooting and you have to get some defense. And even if you have to sign long-term deals to do it, at least these guys will feel like they're going to be in LA for the next couple of years and have that financial security of, even if they are traded, like, or even if they think there's a chance they could be traded, they're going to keep playing because like, you don't have to worry about like, Oh, I need to, uh, like, I'm not going to pass or I'm not going to play defense because I need to save energy to go get five more shots up tonight so that I can get my next deal. Shouts to KCP. Um, <laughs> you know, like at some point they have to build a team. And I think that this is the time to do that. You only have so long left of LeBron. You wasted his first year and, you know, things could have went better. I'm not saying that the Lakers didn't have bad luck, but they could like they, they can't do that again. They can't chance with like all these expiring deals again and with the locker room blowing up again because everyone's going their separate ways. Yeah, exactly. I just think that the easiest way to get buy-in is by giving people multi-year deals. It makes you more competitive for the better free agents too, because most guys are unwilling to play on that kind of deal unless they are, you know, trying to prove something like they're coming off a bad season or something of that sort. Yeah. Or like, like KCP was willing to take the one year, 18 million. Cause it was more than he was going to get anywhere else. Turns out with good reason. And then he resigned with the Lakers because he thought he would have like a good audition op- opportunity here. He had a kind of an underwhelming year with the Lakers. Didn't have a lot of options was hoping to have a better year alongside LeBron and get more interest this summer. But like outside of guys like that, those are the types of guys that you're getting. So unless you want, you know, 10 more KCPs or you want Lance Stevenson or you want Michael Beasley again, like, and they could have made better signings, but you just aren't going to get those guys on one year deals. Totally agree. Which is why um, if they don't get that second star, then you have to build a team with multi-year vets. That's just the only way to do it. Yeah. And so th- this is going to be either our last question or one of our last questions. And uh, this is from at 313 Azuri. And this is actually along the same lines of the last question we were talking about as far as Brandon Ingram and his extension. So he he asked, B.I. has obviously shown flashes of potentially becoming a positive impact player, but it's fair to say due to injuries and inconsistency, he hasn't put together more than stretches of good play. I do think that that's fair to say. Um, with him going into a contract year, how high would you go in terms of salary? So this is an interesting one for me just because of the it's not just like injuries like it's a potentially life-threatening and career-threatening injury and the Lakers have said that he's all the way good to go um and that they've cleared it up and I I really have no reason to believe them because you know if you start lying about guys health then like that becomes an ethical issue where agents are never going to want to deal with you again and players aren't going to trust you and teams aren't going to trust you ever again so like I don't think that they lied I just think like until team see him be fine for a while like it's fair to at least like have concern um so i don't know where are you at with brandon ingram like how do you feel about him as a prospect and like let's say that they you know they they 
spend out their money this summer? Like how much just in a vacuum would you want to resign him the next year? Or do you think that they'd be better off trying to get other assets or other players for him? So I think the history of lottery picks signing extensions after their third year is pretty much either they take the max or they wait until the next season. Yep. Uh, I mean, unless you have like the, the Steph Curry example where the guy's ankles were broken for his first three seasons. So he settled for a discount. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything worked out so perfectly there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's got to be nice to co- Well, actually covering the Warriors this year does not seem like it would have been that much fun. So I'm not going to say that. But Warriors yeah, so, fans have had it very nice. So Ingram, um, I do think that there is an opportunity here for the Lakers this summer just not to say that you're capitalizing on his health situation, but just going back to his play, like he has been inconsistent. Uh, even before the the blood clot, he wasn't able to stay on the floor during his first and second seasons. So there is a bit of a mitigating injury factor there. So I think there's an opportunity for the Lakers to get something of a discount this summer. Um, if you can hit him in that like, got like 18 to 20 range. Yeah, that's still sad. It sounds like so much money, but it's like it's really for a guy like him, it's really not that much like for right. in terms of productivity. Yeah. And you're getting him like theoretically in his athletic prime. And I think his cap hold and like what he would be eligible for on a max extension is much higher than that if the Lakers yeah. were to wait. So theoretically, you're saving some cap room. Exactly. And then you lock him in, you know, this summer, which that's something that the Lakers haven't done with any of their lottery picks before Ingram. So that generates some goodwill as well. Yeah. And who knows? It's always nice to try new things. You know, when you keep letting lottery picks leave for nothing and, or I guess in D'Angelo's case, they didn't get nothing. They, they essentially got Josh Hart, even though I know that was the pick that became Coos. I don't want to hear about how that was the pick that became Coos when they could have taken him with the pick before and whatever, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, right. But they but, also got the cap space that could turn into somebody else this summer. That's true. That's yes. fair. So, but this is the summer to use it because right. Mozgov would have expired next year. And so you, you, and also because of Ingram's extension, you have to use it this summer. So, um, we will see if they can, I, 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 as far as Ingram goes, I am like, I don't know. I just feel like he needs to show a little bit more for me to be totally thrilled about like that number, because mm-hmm. that's the kind of like, it doesn't sat. It sounds like a lot of money, but it also like in terms of, you know, value and what he's shown and as a prospect, that's generally what those guys get. So I understand all of that. And I think that the Lakers at this point probably should lock him into that because you're not going to get requisite talent by letting him walk or whatever. But I do think that they should at least consider like, you know, if there's a chance that they can use Ingram as like the piece, like, like, let's say Ingram and the number four pick gets Mm -hmm. you Bradley Beal. I'm not saying it does, but let's say, but let's say it could. Like, there's an argument to be made that Ingram will never be as good as Beal is right now. Mm-hmm. And you might be better off making that move because you, if you're going to go all in on the present. So, like, I, I think there's an argument to re-sign Ingram. I just would not be in a rush to lock him in if I was the Lakers. Like, I would be more willing to kind of wait and see how this summer is going before I decide. And they pro- that's exactly what they're going to do. I'm not saying that they won't. Right. But I'm not personally in a rush because I do think that even outside of the blood clots thing, we have seen him get banged up quite a bit. I do wonder how much of that is his frame 
And if, you know, like even outside, like if he bulks up too much, then you worry about him putting on weight too fast or him not his structure not being able to support it. But Mm -hmm. then if he doesn't, then is he going to be too frail? Is he going to continue to be, you know, damaged by contact all the time? And like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But I just there are reasons for concern, even if I still am relatively high on Ingram. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's why I think they should consider trying to get him that extension now, because if he plays the way we think he's capable of playing this year, then, you know, you can't point to that anymore to like try to negotiate down. Yeah, that's true. So what would you, so if you were, if you were running the Lakers and so like we swap you with Palenka and like, what is, where would you go money wise? Where is like, uh, where, where is where you're considering it a bargain, but you think it's realistic that he might actually take it? Yeah. So just like thinking about the kind of deals that were handed out last summer, I mean, Zach Levine got 480, uh, which is, I mean, it's obviously too much, but I, Ingram is a better player than Zach Levine. Uh, <laughs> this is so funny. I'm thinking like 472, which is what Luol Deng got. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I that's think like, they should at least go 73 just so that like not have the bad karma attached to that number. The, the 18 million, like that's kind of where I'm leaning with Ingram. Yeah, it's a it's a slight discount. It gets you some meaning. It gets you a small amount of meaningful cap space, but mm-hmm. it locks you in on him. For him, it's long term security. I could see something like that, especially if this summer shakes out to where they're like, all right, well, we have most of our long term money on our books. Like, we aren't going to be able to let. It. It's like there's always that talk about like the Cavs should have let Tristan Thompson go, or oh, they overpaid all these guys that LeBron wanted back. It's like if they mm-hmm. let go, they were over the cap. They couldn't have signed guys of the same level of talent. So even if they were overpaid, they kind of had to do that. And like. I'm not saying that Ingram would be overpaid, but you kind of have to pay a premium sometimes to lock in talent so that you're not left, you know, trolling for the mean team at the end of free agency. Right. And I'm not saying that his play at this point is worth that level of money, but like he's only 22 years old and you're locking him in until he's 26, 27. So those are the years you're paying for. And you always have to gamble on this stuff. Like if it was a exactly. sure thing that he'd pan out, his organ, his reps wouldn't take it. And if it mm-hmm. wasn't a sure thing, or the Lakers wouldn't even need feel the need to offer under that because they'd offer the most because they knew that he was going to pan out. Like that's how this negotiation uh, always ends up working. But right. um, we we have a couple more questions. Unless you have more points on Ingram. No, we're good. Yeah. So I, I we have two more questions actually. So this one is from at assess the threat, and he just says, if the Lakers change their name to Lackers, would people notice? And at this point, I'm not sure they would. <laughs> the only thing the Lakers really have going for them is their fantastic branding. So yes, yes, I do think people would. Yeah, it might be more accurate though at this point, um, <laughs> given all the things that they are lacking. Uh, drum sound effect. I'll put that in in post. Um, <laughs> Uh, so this is the last one, and it's from uh, at uh, Buttnet, I think. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. At, at, at NButtnet, uh, if the scouts are convinced Garland is a stud and a potential franchise talent, do the Lakers trade him nevertheless for a win-now all-star, or can they convince LeBron to bite that bullet? I'm thinking of a Kobe was drafted, traded for when Shaq came on type of scenario. Um I don't think that this is quite exactly the same thing because Shaq wasn't as old as LeBron is now when he was signing on. So it was easier to like get him to come and the Lakers were offering way more than anyone else could offer. And even though LeBron's locked in, you know, you have to try and keep him happy. You would think Mm -hmm. and try and build a team around him. And you only have so many more years to do that. Like Garland is the one guy where I feel like, wait, no, he, he's the one that signed a clutch, right? Yes. 
I feel like that's the one scenario where maybe you could get away with just drafting the guy with LeBron at this point. I, I don't know, but I just feel like that's like to me the only one where you'd be able to make the argument to him that like, oh, this is like the guy that you can groom him and he's like part of your agency and whatever. Maybe LeBron would have an interest in doing that. We've seen them hanging around at LeBron's son's basketball games and there were mm-hmm. like rumors on Reddit last week that they were training together. So maybe LeBron really is trying to take this guy under his wing and would be just fine with him being drafted. Um, I'm not sure that any scouts really are convinced that he's a stud and a franchise talent, you you know, and like, I don't know, that's, it depends on what you can get for the number four pick to me, but I I don't know, where are you at? I I feel like you're still better off trading that pick and seeing what you can get for it. But I guess, you know, if you think that you aren't going to win a title during the LeBron era and you're giving up on that at this point, you think that he'll be happy with Garland and playing it out then I guess maybe but I don't know I'd still want to see what you can get for that pick yeah I uh, I would be very surprised if the Lakers started the season with that pick on their roster because <clears throat> it's it's the best tool they have right now to get a, a veteran to pair next to LeBron I mean obviously like I, I like the young players it's just it's the whole you know you drive the new car off the lot and it loses its value like this is a yeah. premier asset right like you don't know it's just all potential and got people yeah, around the league love potential yeah. And like once you open it, then the other GMs are like, oh, I didn't like that thing that was in it. I'd rather have the mystery box where I get to pick the player that it is uh, because I can find a stud there. Exactly. So I. It's just too clean of an opportunity to package this pick as part of a trade to get an upgrade on the roster. I There's no one at that number four level who I think is ready to contribute now. I mean, like you're below Zion and then you're like above all of like the 22, 23 year old guys that you could draft who could step in right away, you know, like the, the Josh Hart types. So it just doesn't make sense for the Lakers to add another player who needs to develop on this timeline. And I, I'd be, like I said, I'd be very surprised if the Lakers started the season with this guy on their roster. Yeah. Like if there were four Zions, you know, like there were four (laughs) prospects on that level this year, then like uh, that everyone kind of universally saw as that level, then I could consider seeing, you know, because Zion's probably going to contribute immediately. Or even if there was like, you know, three John Morant's after Zion, but it doesn't seem like any of these guys are really even at that level. And Mm -hmm. even jaw, like LeBron may not be in love with like drafting a 19 year old point guard. That's going to need, you know, like uh, some time to develop and whatever. And I know a lot of fans are going to listen to this and grit their teeth and be like, well, why do we have to please LeBron? He's under contract, whatever. Like your best chance to win right now is still building around LeBron. It's not clear that this young core is going to be good enough to be the basis of a championship team moving forward. This is your shot now. And it may not be a good shot but if you're if you have LeBron and you think that you can get close to a title and then roll the dice and like see what happens in the playoffs then you kind of have to take that shot right and I just I think there's only so many young players you can develop at one time like they still have Lonzo they still have Ingram still have Wagner still have Bonga you know and Kuz and Hart are not that young but they still require some seasoning so it's not even that like this is an effort to please LeBron it's just an effort to balance the roster in that some too. sense You only have so many developmental minutes and so many like minutes that can go to guys that are still going to have to take their lumps and make mistakes. And only so many guys that you can wait on like the Lakers, all the young guys showed flashes next year, but we have yet to see all of them play really well at the same time and impact winning. And so like until that happens, it's kind of hard to take another developmental guy onto the roster. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that's going to do it for the mailbag. Uh, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You had some exciting news this week that uh, I would like you to share with uh, the listeners of the show and plug anything else that you want to plug. 
Right. So uh, this week I signed on with The Athletic to cover the WNBA this season. I'll be their beat reporter for the Los Angeles Sparks. So if you need your L.A. basketball fix over the offseason, like actual basketball, not just rumors, then you should consider supporting The Athletic and reading my stuff about the WNBA. Yeah, there is like a good basketball team in Los Angeles that's like playing games this summer that, that all of you can watch if you would like to. And like rather than like, you know, I don't want to step on my own site's toes, but there are things <laughs> other than trade rumors and things like that. So if you if you want to watch basketball, you should check out a Sparks game. It's really cheap to get in still, yeah. I believe, right? The yeah, home so opener you- is this Friday uh, against Connecticut and tickets are, yes, very affordable. Yeah. So it's good basketball. It's it's cheap to get in. Just go check it out. Like if you haven't given the WNBA a chance yet and you're jonesing for a basketball fix, like go go check it out. Check out Sabrina's coverage. Everything she writes is amazing, um, especially when she writes for Silver Screen and Roll. But also I, her athletic <laughs> stuff is great, too, but especially the Silver Screen and Roll stuff. Sabrina, uh, where can people find you on Twitter as well? And then let's go ahead and get out of here. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sabrina JM. That's S-A-B-R-E-E-N-A-J-M. All right. And I am at HM Fagan. And so that now we have done our mandatory plug at the end of podcasts of all social media accounts. Again, you can find the show. I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning because I always butcher it anyway. So that's better. Um, but iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, pretty much anywhere that you want to find podcasts, you can find this podcast. Our, our team at SB Nation has done a great job getting it on all the platforms. So uh, we will be back with another new episode on Wednesday. I do not remember offhand who the host will be, so I will not plug that. But um, Um, We will talk to all of you then. Thanks for listening.